listening to On The Road with Mike and Andy, the number one Australian weekly trucking podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. Listen to On The Road on the Australian Big Rigs Radio Roadshow and via podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify and now also on iHeartRadio. Just search for On The Road Aussie Trucking Podcast. On The Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au. Welcome back. We've got another top-tier show for you again on the road this week. We catch up with the 18-year-old Queenslander who's driving a vintage tractor 13,500 kilometres around Australia to raise awareness and funds for some really worthwhile charities. Adam Gibson, NTI's Transport and Logistics Risk Engineer, talks about how you can identify where technology can help to improve efficiency and create a safer business. That's in our Something to Talk About segment a little later in the show. We've got our regular on-the-road news, along with great music from Slim Dusty and Granger Smith. We're all loaded up and ready to roll, guys, so let's do this. G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. This is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24-7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address, bigrigradio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. You might recall a couple of weeks ago, Mike and I talked about a young bloke from Queensland who recently set off for a trip of around 13,500 kilometres around the country to raise support for the Royal Flying Doctor's Service, for Dolly's Dream, and also for the Lights on the Hill Trucking Memorial in recognition of the sacrifices truckies make every day in doing their job. 13,500 kilometres is a long way, and you'd expect he'd be driving some sort of modified land cruiser towing a state-of-the-art off-road caravan with all the mod cons. Well, if that's what you thought, you'd be wrong. This sensational young bloke, did I mention he's only 18, is driving a bright orange vintage tractor towing a huge trailer that's adorned with a small aeroplane and a boat, amongst other things. At a time when most young blokes are glued to their mobile devices and focused on cars and girls, This legend is on the trip of a lifetime and raising awareness and money for some really worthwhile causes. Today, he's stopped for long enough to talk with us about his historic travels on the road, and we're just thrilled to introduce to you Sam Hughes. G'day Sam and welcome to On The Road. Hey mate, nice to talk to you. Yeah, good to meet you too. Sam, let's get a bit of background on you. Right. What makes an 18-year-old from the beautiful Sunshine Coast hinterland decide to drop everything and head out on a massive adventure like this? A small amount of insanity, I think. <laughs> but, yeah, just thought I'd do something a little bit different. The world seems to have, can't say, gone to shit on radio, I don't think, but over the last year or so, the world's sort of gone to a very bad place. Yeah. And I just thought if I'm going to do something, might as well do something good in the world. Yeah, Absolutely. And I think from what I was reading there, you were actually 17 when you first started putting together this idea. How did your parents react when you told them you decided to take this trip? 
their reaction was that I can't exactly say on radio, but <laughs> it wasn't a positive one initially. But when I started putting on the hard yakker and putting effort into making the rig and doing all that, they sort of went, right, oh, he's actually going to do this. Might as well get behind him. Yeah. So uh, they eventually got behind me and supported me in it. And by supported, I mean they just went, yeah, we're okay if you're doing it. Just be careful. Yeah. I funded all the rigging that myself, which was a bit of a thing. But, yeah, I got it all built with my mechanic and a few other fellows involved. HMJ Trailers down in Caboolture, they built most of the frame. We finished the rest, but yeah. Well, you talked about the rig there. It is an amazing rig you've chosen to hit the road with. What's the story with the old tractor? Where did that come from? Oh, the old tractor was actually a fellow named Vern Nish. He was an old bloke who lived actually about maybe less than 20 minutes down the road from me. I never met him, hmm. and he passed away. And his son was selling a Chamberlain's, and I was about to head down to New South Wales, actually, and pick one of these fully restored up for 20 grand. Right. And he actually messaged me and said, oh, hang on, mate, I've got one just down the road. It's a fair bit cheaper than that, and you should go have a look before you go on that big drive. Yeah. So I did, and it was almost exactly what I was after because instead of being already with all the extras, it was just a simple plain tractor. It was restored. Mm. So we got to do all the extras, the boat, the roof rack, the dog cage, which was done recently, and a few other little modifications to it to make it all good. Yeah. And what made you pick the Chamberlain? Was there a particular reason for that? Well, the reason I picked the Chamberlain was one very simple one. It's Aussie made. Right. There are very few things these days that are Australian made, and it is reliable as all hell. It's got a Perkins 4270 in it. Yep. Plus the fact that it's actually one of the fastest tractors on the road. Normally, Chamberlains will cruise about 45k an hour. Wow. With three and a half tonnes on its arse, though, it does sit on about 35, 35 to 40. Hmm. which uh, sounds slow in a car and truck, and it is, but in a tractor, that is like hitting light speed. When you're open to the elements, absolutely. That's all right. (laughs) I've got a bit of canvas over my head, so I do all right. (laughs) And an umbrella. (laughs) And, mate, you've given the tractor and trailer names. What are they? I have. The tractor's name is Slim. The trailer's name's Dusty. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a little car in the back, a Suzuki Sierra, that I've named Joy. Wow. And the plane, which I'm not entirely sure on a name, but a bloke suggested Emu after John Williamson's song, so yep. I think the plane's name's Emu. It's going to stick, yeah. <laughs> I reckon Slim would be proud as punch to hear that you've used those names. Uh, I hope so. Yeah. Hopefully I get to see Joy at some point along the trip down in New South Wales because I'm dropping in the Slim Museum on the way home. Yeah, that'd be awesome. But yeah. The old aeroplane sitting on top of the trailer, obviously this ties in with the support of the Royal Flying Doctor Service, but... Where did you get the plane from? Well, the funny thing is I picked that up from Caboolture Airfield. <laughs> a trainee pilot, apparently half of Australia's learned to fly in this old rig. Yeah. And then one day a trainee pilot decided they wanted to land a plane that didn't want to land, came in too fast and tried to put the nose on the ground and, of course, ripped out the front nose gear and smashed the crap out of it. Oh, no. So a bloke was wrecking it out and he wanted two grand for the wings. He wanted a couple hundred for everything else and... Then he wanted 400 bucks for the fuselage and all the stuff inside it. Mm. So I just went, oh, that'll look good on me shed. I'll go pick that up and picked up this plane for 400 bucks. Yep. It's a fuselage. It's not a little plane. It's actually bigger than a trailer, yeah. but, and it's on the roof. And then I went, you know what? I've got this tractor. I've got this trailer. We've got Tinny on the roof of the tractor. The trailer looks a bit too legal now. It doesn't, it just, you know, <laughs> it could make it look a bit better, surely. Yeah. So I looked at my mechanic and went, hey, mate, do you reckon we put that plane up there? And he's just looked at me and gone, oh, no, you're not going to make me do that. <laughs> and I went, I'll help. He said, yeah, you'll help, all right. Yeah. So we fitted out the plane. We painted it up as a flying doctor. 
I made sure the flying doctors were all okay with it, which they were. I'm sure they would be. They were over the moon about it, actually. Yeah. Every flying doctor base I go to now, they know well before I come that I'm coming. Yeah. And we made sure everything complied legally. My overhang front and rear is actually right on the limit, Mm -hmm. but it is just legal. And as for the height, it's all legal too. I'm 4.2 metres. So I'm one little bit off being the height of a normal truck and then a couple off being a cattle truck. So yeah, it does present some issues when you go into a servo. You've got to remember that you're as high as a truck and you can't go through the car park area. Take the tail out. <laughs> That'd be fun. Oh, yeah. And I believe that the plane doubles as your sleeping quarters during the trip as well. Is that right? Yeah, it does. Well, that's the thing. I've actually got two beds. Not because I was hoping to get a Sheila on board at some point, but, you know, and that's not the worst thing in the world. Mile High Club and all that in the plane. Yeah. But <laughs> as the joke, I've been told a thousand times now by all the old timers. Yeah. But I've got a bunk in the plane and the tail. Usually have stuff on there, little tools and things, and I store my clothes up in the cockpit of the plane. Hmm. But I can sleep in the plane. But by God, sometimes it gets a little bit noisy because when you're parked by the side of the road, for instance, and you're trying to get some sleep, and a triple road train goes past you at 120 or something K an hour, <laughs> it rocks you around a little bit. Now, when you're in the trailer, you're surrounded by steel all around you, so it's a big metal box, so you don't feel it. Yeah. When you're in the plane, it's like being on a ship hitting a wave. You sometimes rock around and smack into the walls a bit. So if I'm parked in the middle of nowhere, it's a nice cool night, and by some miracle there are no mozzies about, then I can sleep up there with the door open. Mm. But we did put an air conditioner in the nose of the plane where the engine was because we thought, why not? Yeah. But because I was a cheap bugger, I only put a single cycle, <laughs> which was only cold air, which I'm regretting at the moment. But I've got a $20 heater from the reject shop, which plugged up to a little generator or something, keeps you warm in the mornings and at night. That'll work. Yeah, well, in the mornings, it's not too bad. Kick yourself out of bed and get moving and you're right. Yep. Yeah. So if it's a particularly very hot night, I can fire up the air conditioner and it doesn't have enough guts to cool the whole trailer, but it will chill the plane down to a nice temperature. Yeah. I can just imagine you trying to sleep in there and with a road train going past, you'd actually feel like you're in the plane taking off. Oh, it would be pretty similar, I reckon. I've tried to do that. Let's just say it was enough to wake you up. <laughs> oh, bet. Now, you've had a few mechanical issues fairly early on in the piece. What happened there? Oh, that was a uh, cluster in itself. Mm. Well, for starters, the radiator decided that it wanted to start leaking. And we knew before we left that the radiator was a little bit old, mm. but we patched all the pinholes in it and went, she'll be right, probably just a bit aged. I got to Chinchilla and I pulled up and I'm noticing that I've walked around the front and you know how when you have a radiator that doesn't have a closed system, it drips, you know, just it's an expansion. Yep. I'm going, oh, it's probably just expansion, she'll be right. And I've been parked for about a minute and I look out the front and I've got a puddle on the ground. Yeah. So I sort of went, oh, that's probably no good thing. So we took the bonnet off and had a look and it had about five pinholes in it. So we patched them all up. Two blokes came out from Charleville, two mechanics from Mini Motors, mm. bloody good blokes. And they came out about 10 o'clock and they patched it up. Next morning, got to Roma. I pulled up in Roma in the afternoon, actually, because it took me a few hours. Got to Roma and every single mechanic, including Brendan Humphreys, who was a real good bloke, and Corbett's group, they all pulled up, basically pulled the radiator out at Brendan's and took it down to Dolby Radiators, who sponsored me for that. So they did a whole new radiator in it, did everything. Wow. And then Corbett's freighted it back up, Humphrey put it back in, and just in time for the week Easter in the country. Brilliant. But at other stages, I've had an oil leak, a fuel leak, and a water leak all at the same time, all onto my exhaust pipe. Okay. Which uh, (laughs) is a very fun experience. Yeah. A bunch of good blokes to help you out there, that's for sure. 
oh, there's a fair few. It's it's just a wonderful thing because everyone knows what I'm doing. Yep. So you pull into a town and you're very hard struck, even if it's only a one-horse town or a pub, a uh, post office and a supermarket and one house on Main Street, at least one person knows you. So it's a good feeling. Oh, I reckon you're going to get that girl before the trip's out too, just quietly. Well, mate, I don't think a, a plane's hardly a chick magnet, nor is the appeal of sitting in a tractor for six hours a day, <laughs> despite how comfortable I've made it. You never know. I've got one of those little portable fridges in the cab too. Well done. Because I've got me pup with me, a little rescue pup I picked up about two weeks ago, who about five minutes ago decided that she wanted to run down the road and nearly get taken out by a road train. Oh, no. She's got zero road sense, so she's uh, chained up at the moment. Yeah. And she's just asleep on the lawn, so I'm keeping an eye on her. Yeah. But she can ride shotgun with me in the cab. She's got a dog crate behind so that she can sit in. She sits in the cab. I've got little dog earmuffs because some people are complaining that the noise might be hurting us. So I've got little earmuffs yeah. that she absolutely despises, but uh, getting used to it. She will. So you've got a fridge, one of those little 12-volt ovens in the cab. You know, the ones all the truckies use and things about as useful as an ashtray on a motorbike. But uh, <laughs> I cooked a pie the other day on the manifold on the engine. Yep. It went all right. It took about three hours to cook the damn thing, but, <laughs> but that's all right. Put it on at lunchtime. It's ready for afternoon tea. Well, you're in no rush, are you? Yeah, no, it's all right. Everything goes pretty well. We'll be back for the rest of this chat right after this. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. So the dog, mate, what sort of dog is she and what's her name? Uh, she's a Bitzer and her name is Bitzer and her breed is Bitzer because we have absolutely no idea what in God's earth she's made of. Beautiful. Usually the best types. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's got beagle in her, we think, but she's got long legs and big paws. So I'm real hoping she doesn't turn out to be some absolutely massive bull arrow pig dog because I'll need to get a bigger dog crate. You'll need a bigger tractor. I'll need a bigger tractor. So, Sam, you're in rural Tambo today. I am. Famous for its teddy bears. I dropped in and saw them today, lovely people. I hope they give you one to strap on the grill on the tractor. <laughs> It'd look good. I think the bears are a bit too pedigree for that. They'd have to ride up into the plane or something. I'm trying to get an RFDS one because mm. they make them for the RFDS every now and again, but they didn't have any at the moment. So I'm going to contact some of the RFDS contacts I've got and might be able to get a flying doctor one in the plane. They gave one to Harry and Megan. If they can give one to them, surely they can find one for you. <laughs> Maybe, but they're a small business and you don't want to put that on them, you know? Yeah. Each one of those bears is a bit of revenue for them. and Absolutely. People do offer stuff like that to me sometimes when I go into a place that's famous and as often as I can try and pay for it, even if they're offering it to me, because a lot of places out here need the tourism to survive mm. and anything you can do to support that, or I can do, I try to do. Are you sure you're only 18? Yeah, last time I checked, but it does change every year. <laughs> it does. you got a hell of a lot of maturity, mate, for a young bloke that age. Good on you. Oh, uh, Maybe. Now, how many kilometres have you covered to this point? 
Oh, no, I've done at least over a 1,000. I haven't got it. Well, my tachometer's said I've done 69 hours so far. We put a new one in just before I left. Okay. So 69 hours, I don't know what that would work out to be at 35K an hour, but I know I've done over a 1,000 Ks just. Yeah. Because uh, from here to Mulaney, I think, it's just over it. So I've done over a 1,000. Well done. But a lot of people will just go, oh, God, how can you do that so slow? And I go, have you ever been in a tractor at 30K an hour? <laughs> <laughs> Put your Fergie in top gear on your driveway and you'll soon find out what that's like. <laughs> so what are the plans from here, Sam? Where are you headed next? Well, I'm heading north, but I've got to make a bit of a detour up to Charters Towers, I think. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to work out how the hell I'm supposed to go from Longreach to Winton, Charters Towers, and then back to Mount Isa without doubling back on myself and without going down some road, getting everything bogged and looking like a complete dick, mm. like calling Clayton's or someone to come recover me. I don't know who does the recovery work up that way. Yeah, so I think from here up to Longreach, Longreach to Winton, Winton to Hewenden, Charter Towers, probably back to Hewenden, over to the Isa through Julia Creek and that. Mm. I've got to work out how to get from Mount Isa to Alice Springs without doubling back on myself because I stick to the black stuff, but then I've got to go an extra couple thousand Ks there and back again. Mm. And how long do you anticipate the trip's going to take you all up? Well, at first I thought it would only be about a year. Mm. But given that it's taken me two months and I've got one fourteenth of the way through, I'm probably saying about a year or two. Mm. That just gives a very broad range and I can change it if need be. But probably a year or two. Yeah. Just see how it goes, you know. Amazing. Mate, I see you've got a GoFundMe page happening just to help cover the cost of mechanical repairs and other unforeseen expenses. How can our listeners help support you in this way? Well, the GoFundMe, as you said, that's just for mechanical things. I've got a few sponsors that are helping with a few things, but some things you can't, you know, if there is a mechanical issue like fuel pump goes or something like that. Hmm. If you want to go on the Facebook page, the Travelling Jackaroo, Jackaroo with an A, a few people spell it differently apparently. There are links on there to donate. The top links for the Royal Flying Doctor Service and Dolly's Dream, of course, because they're far more important than Slim's fuel pump. Yeah. But somewhere down, if you scroll for about half a second or so, you'll find the link for the GoFundMe if you'd like to chip in a little bit. Every bit's appreciated because little things, you know, sometimes it's as simple as a bloody indicator light going because the last thing I want to do is get pulled up for that. Yeah. Well, I make do. Sometimes you just have to use a bit of fence and wire duct tape and some zip ties and make something that'll last you a couple hundred Ks. Yep. All of them in a can of WD-40 and you can't go wrong. Oh, yep. You're not wrong there. And you mentioned the worthy charities you're supporting. Uh, how can we go about chipping in there to help? Right. Well, the charities are the big one. The Royal Flying Doctor Service and Dolly's Dream, they're my two big ones, other than Drought Angels. I've just actually come on board with Drought Angels in the last week or so. Hmm. But the links for the RFDS and Dolly's Dream, they're both on the Facebook page, and the Drought Angels one should be up soon. I'm also supporting the Lights on the Hill Truck Memorial, but I'm trying to work out how to do something with them because it's a little bit difficult trying to organise everything at the moment. So I'm trying to support the truck memorial as well in Gatton. Yeah. Seeing what we can do there. Still waiting to hear back on a few things. They might end up mounting the rig up on a pole or something out there when you're done. <laughs> oh, God, that'd be bloody interesting, wouldn't it? Like what they've got down in Broken Hill, that mining truck with a 44-gallon up on the roof. Yep. I'd like to see the pole big enough to hold this set up up. But, uh... <laughs> be a feat of engineering, be another harbour bridge underneath that. <laughs> I reckon. Yeah. Now, mate, how can our truckies contact you on the road if they're in your area at the time? I assume you're on the UHF CB. I'm always on Channel 40, sometimes for better, sometimes for worse, especially when you're going through Gympie, Childers or Toowoomba. Yeah. In that case, I sometimes turn it off, as most of us do, because God forbid there's that one yuppie who's always yapping. Yeah. 
I'm always on channel 40. Those soundproof earmuffs I wear actually connect to my UHF, so I have to wear them because it's noisy, so I'm always on channel 40. Yeah. And if you see me driving along, you'll see me a mile away, and your first reaction will probably be something along the lines of, what the, <laughs> looking at a plane and a big orange trailer, you know, up ahead like an oversized load. Yeah. Just call me on the UHF, and I pull over as far as I can on the shoulder. If we're on flat country, it's real easy to pass, even on a road train. Literally, you just go past me in about maybe 10, 15 seconds. Yeah. But I always call and check up on them. And sometimes people don't have the UHF on, which is a little bit irritating at times when they're sitting on your bum waiting for you to pull off the road. But I'm always on UHF. So yeah. if anyone needs to contact me, just give me a bell. And I'm not always up for a chat. Good. Mate, we'd like to keep our listeners updated with where you're at each week so they can keep an eye out for you and give you a wave and a... <laughs> can we do a brief update with you each week? Yeah, of course, mate. I'm just sitting around. If I've got reception, that'll be good. If I'm driving the tractor, I won't answer that because I'm a pea plater and God forbid me touching a phone would be a mortal sin. Oh, yeah. So I'm not going to do that. But, yeah, I'd be happy to do an interview with you, mate, and let everyone know where I am and so they can look out and hopefully not run into the back of me at some point. Great. We might call it Where's Sam? That'll work. Be easy to remember. Yeah. It's been great catching up with Sam Hughes this week to hear his incredible story and a story that's ongoing and will be for a while yet. Sam, thanks so much for taking a break and your incredible adventure to chat with us today. Oh, no worries, mate. I'm always happy to chat. Thank you. Mate, how about you announce the next song to finish up our chat today? This is Sam Hughes, and I'm on the road with Mike and Andy, and here's one of my favourite songs, Slim Dusty, Lights on the Hill. Enjoy it, fellas. Cheers, Sam. See you later. Oh, yeah. It's a long straight road and the engine is deep. I can't help thinking of a good night's sleep. Rough old hands are glued to the wheel My eyes full of sand from the way they feel And the lights coming over the hill are a-blinding me It's a long tough haul from a way down south A man's gotta find a little bread for his mouth And a home for a girl as sweet as my honey can be So it's down through the gears she's a-starting to
Last week, Mike called for you guys to share your thoughts on steer tyres and he's been getting a great response with emails pouring in. So if you'd like to add your thoughts on the subject, shoot us an email. We'll be sharing the information you're sending us on next week's show and there'll be a whole bunch of on-the-road caps being given away, so don't miss it. It's time for That's What You Think. Some say they're too opinionated for their own good. Some say they're just a pair of grumpy old men. We just know them as Mike and Andy. Wake me when the show starts. It's already been on a while. Wake me when it's over. Mike, we were talking a couple of weeks ago about electric vehicles and leaving our listeners with no doubt about the fact that we're probably not very keen on the things, but... There's something happening in the truck world with regards to an electric truck, something new and exciting and possibly worthwhile. I'd like to hear that. <laughs> I don't know if it's worthwhile, mate, but it's certainly an idea. Yeah. Just on the electric race cars, though, yep. did you see how they just cut the rate short because all the batteries were all going flat? Did you see that? Half of the cars didn't finish because they all ran out. <laughs> They ran out of juice. And this is the pointy end of research and development in the electric vehicles thing. Uh, and they can't even run a race and get <laughs> Formula E. Formula exciting e. stuff. Anyway. Yeah, it is exciting as watching paint dry. Oh, yeah. Tell us about this truck. This truck, mate, Janus Electrical, they're based in the New South Wales Central Coast and they're about to road test the world's first patented exchange battery for heavy vehicles. Woohoo. Yeah, well, well, I suppose, look. I hate what they've done to the Kenworth, I really do. There's a picture of it there on the Big Rick's webpage. In the Tech Talk section, we found this. Mm. They've basically got an old 4.0 Kenworth, mm. taken the grill out of it, okay. and all the motor, radiator, everything that's out of the engine bay there, and they put a set of barn doors in the front of it. Right. <laughs> Loving it so far. Yeah, go oh, on. Mate, it, it's ugly. It's as ugly as a hat full of arseholes. Mm. Apparently, you can reach in and you can just unplug this battery as a unit yeah. and lift it out, put it on the ground, grab your forklift and put another one in, bobs your uncle away you go. How big is the battery? Huge. It's huge. It, it takes up the whole engine bay. Good grief. It's monstrous. Yeah. Obviously, we can't see all the pictures because they're probably a little bit worried about other people looking at what they've got and know what they're looking at. Yeah. All it is, I can see a picture sitting there, this thing with the front of the bonnet open, like a couple of shed doors. Yeah. And a big sort of T-shaped looking bit there, obviously, where you slide your forklift blades underneath, and it's just sort of sitting there between the chassis rails. And I can just imagine sort of like three big tines off the back of it, and you plug it into the socket, you know. Like, <laughs> probably not what they do, but it's, this is the image that I've got in the head. Yeah. You know, and they've ripped the fuel tanks off it, and they've got a couple of boxes on the fuel tanks. Yeah. I wonder how happy Kenworth are that they've done that to one of their trucks. But anyway... This idea solves one of the biggest problems which people have had with electric technology and particularly long-distance trucks, and that is the downtime to recharge the thing. So the idea of it is, from my understanding, they have these pre-charged batteries that are going to be spaced out in places, uh, strategic locations up and down the highway. So where you go in and you fuel up, instead of going into the servo and pulling up beside the diesel pump and filling up with fuel... Mm. You know, and that takes 20 to 25 minutes filling up a regular truck anyway at the fuel pump. So we're not talking about any lost time really as far as refueling goes. Yeah. You poke your nose into the shed, open the bonnet up, they unplug this thing, pull it out, put it on the ground, put another one in, close the bonnet back up, away you go. It's just refueling in another form. Yeah. But Janice have taken this 403 and it's going to be up at the Brisbane Truck Show and I reckon that you and I should really go and have a look at it. Maybe we'll take a recording of an Airstar E9 Mac and just stand there beside it and play it. <laughs> that'd be, that'd fun. be funny. <laughs> but 
It'll certainly start a conversation, I'd say. Yeah. I walked past the front of an E9 Mac one day when some bloke pressed the air starter button. Yep. I went into orbit for a little while. Have you ever heard one of those? <laughs> yeah, it's big. It's big, mate. Yeah. It's really, really big. In fact, Australian Big Rig Roadshow uses that sound on the radio, so you'll be listening to the radio. <laughs> anyway, it's a long story, mate. Yeah. And if you've been damaged as I have been by that noise, then you, you sort of make your ears prick up. But anyway, let's move on. Getting back to the electric truck thing for a moment. Mm. How about this for stupid idea of the week, but I'm really good in that respect. Mm. Do you remember the old days when we had push bikes? Yeah. And we had those, what were they called, little dynamos? Yeah. That clicked onto the fork and then you flicked it onto the wheel and it rubbed on the tyre, went round and round as it went. Yeah. Why couldn't we put, you know, a whole bunch of them? you got 18 wheels, for God's sake. Put a whole bunch of them on the trucks and charge your batteries <laughs> as you go. That'd be awesome. Now, you've just given away my design idea, mate. <laughs> okay. Good to know we think alike. I've often wondered, you know, we just talk about this whole thing and people talk about perpetual motion. Yep. And we run alt motors in the trucks that charge the batteries. Mm. Look, I'm no electric engineer, obviously. Mm. But you sit down and you, you get plenty of time sitting behind the wheel to think about things. Yep. And it's where I come up with some of my most dangerous ideas, actually. Yeah, I can vouch for that. <laughs> <laughs> and as you say, we've got all these axles. I mean, I know alt motors and magnets and stuff weigh a lot. Hmm. But we've got a lot of axles. They want to do the electric truck thing. Why aren't we generating power off the wheels as they turn while they're being driven from the electric motor? Hmm. Perpetual motion. Yeah, makes perfect sense. I mean, I'm no engineer. Can someone tell me why it doesn't work? I don't know. Or would work even. Yeah. Anyway, these guys are going to do this. They're going to put some batteries in some strategic locations. They're heading out for the big field test. They want to get 250,000 kilometres of testing in on this truck to see exactly what it does and exactly how much it costs. They're saying that right now they're looking at about a 30% reduction in operating costs on the fuel component over the course of the life of the truck. Now, that's a lot of money. That's not to be sneezed at, is it? No. So we really do need to take this seriously. And the good part about this, if there is a good part, They've taken an old prime mover and they've reworked it into something that can be this efficient. Yeah. If it is and if it all works and if they will add something like a soundtrack for when you put the on button, you get an AirStart E9. <laughs> yeah, you need it. They're saying the cost to convert a prime mover, they've spent about 85 grand on it so far. Hmm. Battery's about 140. So they're spending some money and they reckon that, you know, hire a battery for the day, $550 a charged battery. So you'll pay your 550 and you'll use the battery till it's flat, give it back, get another one, and away you go. Yep. I don't know. As you say, it's like one of those swap and go gas bottles. There's a lot of merit to the idea. And as an industry, we'd be mad to be not looking at it. Hmm. Look, I love the look of an old truck and a bit of black coming out of the top of the pipes and all that sort of stuff cool old school trucking yeah the whole image of it i love the image and the, and the way that it's looked and things are changing but it'd be irresponsible to not look at something if it's cleaner and it's better for everyone better for the community better for the industry more cost effective you've got to look at it yeah you know i was watching the old movie jewel the other day oh yeah and just trying to imagine that menacing dirty great big rig coming up the back of that car with nothing coming out of the stacks <laughs> and no sound. Can you imagine what Duel would be like? It would be the most boring movie ever. It was a great movie. Was it? You don't remember it? Yeah, no, I remember it. Oh, great, great. And it still shivers up the spine every time I watch it, but I love it. Yeah. Anyway. You couldn't do convoy. Yeah. The fact that we've found some sort of merit in an electric vehicle of some sort is a bit of a worry and it's shot our reputations to pieces, so we might leave it there, mate. It's what you call shooting yourself in the foot, really, isn't it? <laughs> it is. 
Well, we'll look forward to hearing updates on what happens with this thing. Well, I'll look at this way. We'll have a look at the truck show, mate. And seriously, if the idea's got merit, let's do it. I've got a sticker on the back of my bike helmet that says, Loud Pipes Save Lives, and it works for trucks too. <laughs> it does. And I'm going to leave it there. I think you should. Hey everyone, Kermie here. Hope you're travelling well, staying safe and on the right side of the white line, by which of course I mean the left. I also hope you're tuning in to the On The Road podcasts with Mike and Andy, because if you're not, two things will happen. One, you'll be missing out on some great interviews, a good few laughs, and what's generally going on out there in truckland. Uh, what's the other thing? Ah, that's it. You won't have heard this plug for On The Road. Hmm. Okay then, so, those of you who are already on here, go and tell your mates about On The Road. They can find it on Spotify or iTunes at On The Road Aussie Trucking Podcast. But you knew that, didn't you? Because you're already... Yeah, look, just go and sell them, okay? Cheers, and take care of you. Just a quick word about our sponsors. Go to our webpage, www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au, and you can see who the friends of the show are. And if their products are something that you are interested in or something that you may need, please support them because they support us and they bring our show to you. Hey everybody, this is Tony Justice, and you're listening to On the Road with Mike and Handy. On the Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. Hey Mike, it's time to do our bit in the On the Road newsroom for this week. And there is a lot going on in news this week, mate. It's just been flat out busy. What can we say? It's crazy. Indeed. So Mike, how many truckies does it take to change a light bulb? I've got no idea, mate, how many truckies does it take to change a light bulb? Absolutely none, because real men aren't afraid of the dark. <laughs> that's, that's why I don't drive at night, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, mate, first up this week, news of an incident that hardly ever happens, a, a truck hitting a bridge in Brisbane. Can you believe that? Oh, mate, no, not with all the work that's been done to educate drivers about where these bridges are and where you don't go. He's <laughs> a bloke who shouldn't have been driving in the dark, mate, seriously. Uh. Have you seen the video of it? Yes. He didn't back off. He didn't even touch the brakes. He just drove under there like he was no doubt he was going to fit. Yeah. Oh, dear, oh, dear, mate. It just proves that buddy 4.3 doesn't go into 3.6. I was amazed. Not even if you drive fast enough. <laughs> All I can say about this, mate, people need to have a look at the pictures because the transport company involved, and we can say their name because they're all over the place, Lindsay Brothers, really aren't going to be happy with the damage bill. What's an FTE fridge van worth? I don't know. They're over 100000 anyway. Oh, easy. Yeah. There's a bit of a mess there, so I don't know. Courier Mail's got up in arms about it. The local people are up in arms about it. Disrupts the traffic for hours and hours. All this bloke's got to know where these bridge heights are. Yeah. Ridiculous. It is. Oh, mate, Tones would be looking at that and be shaking his head. If this bloke was running the uh, Tones truck in the back, mm. truck whiz, yep. this wouldn't have happened, that's for sure. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Free plug for Tones. How are you, mate? All right. Time is a traveler, Tenderfield saddle, Well, everybody knows of Tenderfield thanks to that Peter Allen song making it famous. The plans for a bypass around the New South Wales town have gathered momentum this week after a B double caught fire on the main street. I'm glad the truck is okay and the emergency services responded. A lot of beautiful old buildings there that were saved and protected from the truck. It was pretty spectacular. It was pretty spectacular, mate. If you go to the news story and have a look at the pictures there, the flames up the front of the old buildings and everything like that, it was lucky it didn't get any worse. But 
I've got one short thing to say about this. This looks like it was a wheel bearing fire. Mm. And we all know that wheel bearings and stuff can catch on fire. I just sort of wonder about, and I'm not having to go at the transport company when I say that, you know, perhaps it's just a timely reminder to go and check your wheel bearings and your trailers because it's one of those things that doesn't get the attention that the prime movers get. Mm. And uh, our truck fire is one of the great contributors seems to be wheel bearings. So, guys, go out and check your wheel bearings. Yeah. And put your hand on them when you walk around and see how warm they are. Yeah. And credit to the driver who managed to unhook the trailer and move the prime mover out of the street away from it. Yeah. Quick thinking from him. It's what you do if you can, but mm. of course some blokes with some of these trucks, they just get out with the marshmallows and they just let it burn. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. Yeah. Now, Mike, over in WA, your new adopted hometown, mm. the effect of COVID-19 border closures during the March quarter has meant a shortage of haulage drivers with tonnes of iron ore left in a holding pattern. Mate, $120 million one company saying that they've lost because they haven't got enough drivers. Jeez. Now, I've been over here having a bit of a look around. I reckon I had a look on Seek there yesterday morning, and I think that there's probably 10 jobs I could have applied for with various different mining companies. One company over here offering a $10,000 bonus if you stay for six months. Yeah. This is unheard of, this sort of thing in the game. Another company there that's offering to pay people's removal costs to move to Western Australia from the eastern states up to $10,000. Yeah. I mean, these are not insignificant amounts of money, but the amount of money that these companies are losing, they've got contracts to move certain amounts of ore, and some of these contracts have got penalty clauses in them, mm. and some of the penalty clauses, I've been told, are just eye-watering. Yeah. So they've got to try and work it out. Mineral Resources received an average price of $144.80 US for the dry metric tonnes during the quarter of iron ore. Mm. That's uh, a lot of money, and when these trucks are cutting 100, 150 tonnes or whatever it is, there's a lot of money sitting there, and a lot of people aren't meeting their commitments, and there are a lot of people unhappy. Yeah. Of course, you add to that the things that are happening with the snap border closures and stuff like that. They want guys who can fly in, fly out, or guys that are actually over here so that they're not affected by what goes on in Victoria or South Australia or New South Wales, Queensland. And they've got a huge trigger these days for closing borders. People just can't plan. It's a problem. Yeah. Well, all going well, pretty soon there'll be one less vacancy there, hey? Yeah, <laughs> there will. I've applied for a couple of jobs and we'll see what happens. No, oh, mate, they'll be fighting over you. Mate, truckies this week on Workers' Memorial Day left 58 crosses and high-vis vests on the lawn outside Parliament House in Canberra, remembering the transport workers killed on the job in 2019. Yeah. It's one of these subjects that's pretty close to the hearts of a lot of us. I don't think that there's anyone that's been in the game for any length of time who doesn't know someone personally or know of someone close to them that has ultimately given their life at work in this industry. I know I've attended a few funerals. Mm. The statistics are terrible from the point of view of the workplace fatalities. We're one of the most dangerous industries in the country. For the TWU Secretary and everyone to be there laying out high-vis vests and crosses and things like that, I mean, it's a pretty poignant reminder of the cost of doing business, and that's the way it's regarded by some people. Yeah. Steve Corcoran has had a fair bit to say about this sort of thing. I've had a fair bit to say about it. And the inquiry being run by Glenn Stirl is, is certainly looking to address the issues. Mm. There's been a fair bit of research done and, and there's no doubt that crashes are costing over $4.6 a year. We need to get on top of it. As many have said, 
every time we accept these crashes and men and women losing their lives as a result of incidents that happen on the road, if we accept that as a cost of doing business, that's just clearly unacceptable. We need to look at what we're doing. Yeah, that's for sure. So just adding on to workplace injuries, and there's been a livestock company fined $5,000 for failing to report an incident where one of their drivers fell off a truck and sustained a fractured skull and they didn't report it. Now, this guy did not report the accident out of any malice or anything like that. It was just purely the ignorance of knowledge that he needed to report the incident. Yeah. He was fined the $5,000 and $1,100 cost, and there was no conviction recorded. So perhaps it's a good idea for those smaller companies that aren't across all the legal stuff. You know, it's all right for the big companies. They've got people that just look after this stuff all the time. So yeah. the smaller companies, owner-drivers and guys with two or three trucks need to make sure they're across what their legal responsibilities are in the event that things happen. It's painful, but it's one of those things that you really do need to take responsibility for when you're employing people, the things that you need to report and insurances you need to have and all that sort of stuff. Keep it straight because these guys will come after you sometimes when they get the information. And unfortunately, sometimes some of the penalties can be a little bit huge, even when you didn't mean to make a mistake. Yeah, it can come back to bite you. That's good common sense logic and good advice, mate. Well, that's our news for this week, mate. So now that we've discovered that truckies don't change light bulbs because real men aren't afraid of the dark. That's right. One last one for you. How many teenagers does it take to change a light bulb? (laughs) Uh, I'm afraid to ask. Four. One to Instagram it, one to Facebook it, one to tweet about it, and one to actually screw it in. It's true. It is. Your life happens on Instagram, mate. Sure does. All right, buddy. Well, you have a good week, and we'll talk with you next week. Good on you, mate. Ta. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. When it comes to road transport, safety is everything. Seeing Machines Guardian minimises the risk of fatigue and distraction for drivers and provides real-time monitoring centre analysis and appropriate intervention. Already trusted by more than 400 of the safest road transport businesses around the world, find out how Seeing Machines Guardian can safeguard your fleet, your valuable cargo, and most importantly, your drivers. Visit www.seeingmachines.com. G'day, it's Adam from NTI. I spend my days out talking with transport operators and what I see that sets apart our best performing transport businesses from the rest is being able to extract yourself from the day-to-day and spend time working on your transport business, not in your transport business. You need to look at how you can challenge yourself, stop living by habit and find ways to eliminate repetitive tasks, free up your staff from the administrative burden that we tend to bury ourselves in so that they can spend time making your business as safe and as productive as it can be. To that end, we went out and had a great chat with Mark Tobin from FollowMod Transport. They have put a tremendous amount of effort into eliminating wastage, finding efficiency, and integrating the various systems inside their business. It means that their customers are happier, their staff are happier, and they get their people home safe every day. Hi, I'm Mark Tobin. I'm the CEO of FollowMod Transport. I've been in the business 
for 25 years. Follow Transport is a family-owned transport company, one of the largest in Queensland. Our focus and predominantly is around how we service regional Queensland and New South Wales. So we'll move anything from an envelope to a full load. Technology is very important for Follow Miners because our revenue streams are so widely dispersed. So there's two ways we look at technology. One is a behind back office scene, which is data, how to use technology to analyse data, make decisions really quickly on the fly. And then when you talk about fleet and people, it comes back to safety. So it's about what technology is out there for fleet. We rolled out the sand machines as soon as we saw the product. So as soon as I saw it, I said, get this in my business now and make it happen really quickly because you can't put a price on getting your drivers home safe at night. We've had two incidents that if we didn't have CNI machines, it would have been on the news and there would have been a fatality of not just one person, but families. So when you see that, how do you put a price on you know, the CNI machine stopping an incident where you don't run over a whole car? The biggest lesson I've learned around technology in any system in a business is cost. You have to be able to tell a story of why you've spent this money um, and what it's going to do and explain it and, and be visual with it and, and get it to link to your people around what's best for your people. And it's, it's, it's all about the message from the top and you've got to have the whole organisation behind it. But my biggest tip was first, you know, I'd say if we think we're going to move freight the same way we do now in 10 years' time, we're not. That's a shift in demand, so you've got to be in front of the game with, with technology. So you can't put a price on safety, so put your hands in your pocket. And if you haven't got your budget set to continue to put money back into your businesses via technology, I don't think you'll survive. Because we have to be smarter the way that we you know, drive this industry in years to come. The biggest move we will see is in the demand of the way we move freight. Safety is going to be a big thing, but safety can only go so far. So I think it'll be around analysing data and how you do things smarter is where a big thing will come into technology in the years to come. For follow on at the moment, we definitely we will continue down the safety path. So around the fleet side, that's just a forgiven. And I would say back-end tools that um, is around analytics and how you make better decisions for long-term sustainability, not short-term. So it's all about whatever we do is about a long-term journey. We don't look at anything that's going to be a two-year fix. It's, we'll win the grand final in five years. Uh, we don't want to win just this year. We want to win every year. We thought we'd finish up this week with a great song we'd like to dedicate to young Sam Hughes, the Aussie legend we spoke with about his epic tractor-mounted adventure. Here's Granger Smith with a truly fitting song simply called Tractor. Before the sun came up, he sipped that coffee black, slid on his muddy boots, pulled down his feet store cap. He taught me how to grease the points on that massy 2-4-0 But I was way too busy, didn't really care to go So he worked the fields alone But what I didn't know Up on that tractor, things might be faster in the world But big wheels rolling slow Help you see what's important, what really does matter Up on that tractor Just like the dirt is black, so do the years fly by He stayed home with mom, I traveled far and wide 
like a good man does. He listened when I called, told him about my crazy life and all the things I saw. And when it was time to go, he wanted me to know. Up on that tractor, things might be faster in the world, but big wheels rolling slow. Help you see what's important, what really does matter. Up on that tractor, it tore my world apart. We got to get away, didn't get to say goodbye. And I miss him every day when all the fields grew up. This is right back where I came. Up on that track. Things might be faster in the world, but big wheels rolling slow. Up on that tractor, things might be faster in the world, but big wheels rolling slow. Help you see what's important, what really does matter. I know even more now, what really does matter. Up on that. Well, that brings us to the end of another On The Road show. We hope you enjoyed it. On The Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au. For more On The Road news and additional features, visit our website at www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Be sure to join us same time next week. In the meantime, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. Bye-bye. The team here at On The Road are great believers in the right to free of speech and whilst we might not always be in 100% agreement with the views and opinions of our guests and contributors, we firmly support their right to hold and express those opinions. Up on-